0: You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to Locked On AFL, I am your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt, I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film, and that's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. Alongside me is a man who I'm not sure if he's a Scotch drinker. I guess that might be the question we have to ask, but of course it is Josh Lloyd.
0: Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd. Okay, I I never used to be, but um, (laughs) I tell you you that uh, these days I I drink a lot of whiskey, but it's Irish whiskey. I drink bourbon. I drink uh, Japanese whiskey. I haven't really got into the Scotch, so maybe... uh, Maybe that that could be my downfall.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's apparently we can only go off what the always honest and always upfront Eddie (laughs) McGuire has to say. And he said that uh, Sidebottom just unfortunately got caught up drinking uh, something that he's not used to. But four weeks for Steele and clearly um, everyone's been talking about it. We're not going to go too crazy about it. But uh, long story short, four weeks seems pretty appropriate when you look at the rest of the state and what they're trying to go through in this guy. Uh, is getting picked up by the police, half naked in the street at seven thirty in the morning. I would say four weeks is very appropriate.
0: Yeah, I don't see. Look, you can't compare it to the Conor McKenna situation, in my opinion, oh, no. or, or even to the you Kaiser know, uh, Pickett and, and all those other, um, yeah, Ollie Wines. Like, that's, it's a very different situation to uh, to any of those who all got the the one week, and I think four weeks is is absolutely fine. And uh, again, the the Eddie Maguire... Uh, excuse train uh, rolled into the station last night and it was it was, uh, it was was laughable, really, some of the stuff that he was saying.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was a really bad look for the entire league because, uh, like I said, there's so many people around the state that are wondering what they're going to do about work, wondering wh- where they can actually leave the house and do things for the whole entire next month. And Eddie McGuire was basically laughing about it. And the silly thing about it is I saw... Uh, a little bit of footy classified last night because I, I I don't know why I was torturing myself. I wanted to see what else he had to say. And Matthew Lloyd pointed out the fact that two weeks ago he was mouthing off about Ollie Wines and all these players saying they're irresponsible, they're doing this, doing that. And then when one of his players does it, in typical Eddie fashion, he's laughing and make, making a joke about it and saying, "Ah, i old walk out the door and forgot where the bathroom is. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And it's embarrassing. And I've said it before, but we've seen so many... Uh, different presidents around the league, they don't have the position that he's in. They don't get to comment on other teams like he does on a daily basis. And I, I think it's time that, you know, you can't just flick your media hat on and off and then put your president hat on. Uh, it, it doesn't work. And it's, its to be honest, it's making Collingwood look pretty bad. And uh, I think the league as well, particularly in a situation like this. Yeah, Kane, we we
0: um, obviously have a, a deep footy background, but we also cover the NBA. And when we look at the NBA, and this is, I'm going to tie this into a story about Eddie eventually, but you watch NBA games and they have Homer announcer crews. Like they have the team employees, announcers to talk about the team. And there was a lot of backlash about Eddie Maguire. Yeah, why is he allowed to commentate Collingwood games? He's so biased. I actually don't have a problem with that part of it, of someone that's a a club affiliate commentating a game. And I think that we should do more to, to bring that sort of stuff in where you can get more in-depth insights about those teams and have maybe you know, one from each team uh, announcing games. That's what I've always thought about. But the fact that Eddie is just so prevalent in AFL media as well as being a president of a club, it, it doesn't. It, it's, it's no good. And I, I've got no problem with him you know, commentating games if he was just a fan, but as a president and being out there commentating games, having these absolutely ridiculous excuses. And as a president of a club, Right. I understand that you back your players. But, you know, I, did you? I, I don't recall, but, you know, when Lockie Hunter got into his trouble with the police and he's had charges laid now uh, after that accident back in, or incident back in uh, April, it was, I didn't hear Peter Gordon coming out and saying, oh, uh, you know, he just got into the wrong
1: car and oh, it's just stuff that happens. Oh, well, boys will be boys. I, I don't recall that happening.
0: He didn't do anything
1: wrong. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong until he didn't realise he was doing anything wrong, which was the comment that Eddie made. I thought last night, honestly, it was the easiest statement that he had to make. We know that he's got his media job, but just come out and literally all he had to say was is yeah, we're really disappointed with Steele. He really messed up, he stuffed up, it was a huge mistake, he really regrets it. We're gonna support him moving forward, but we're really disappointed in him. Because from a footy point of view, and we're gonna get to it a little bit later on, this guy's a star. Collin would have just lost. Jeremy Howe. So they've, they've arguably lost two, maybe their two best performers uh, so far this season for an extended period. It just wasn't the time given everything else going on th- to, to make a joke about it. And part of that is we saw yesterday that I think the number was 70 uh, players, staff, umpires, uh, every, people that work in the league and working in footy had to get out of their uh, suburbs by midnight last night because that's when the lockdown happened again. Uh, this is really the first significant... I mean, we talk about hubs, uh, but Teams had uh, some some time to work through that and decide whether they wanted to do this or how they were going to go about this. Uh, for these teams, for these players, uh, staff members, they had about 10 hours. And uh, it, it's pretty pretty wild what had to happen. I certainly feel for them, I, I think, from what we've heard, most people were able to arrange something, whether it's moved to a teammate's house or something. I'm not sure. But uh, for those with family and wondering about, well, okay, if we go to a hub, am I going to be able to take family here? Uh, the everyone has different personal situations this is this is where things got a little bit serious when it comes to the season moving on and the coronavirus for sure yeah now uh, that
0: was a uh, you know- Within twenty four hours, like you have to make the decision of where yeah. where you're going to go live. We don't know who the players are, and that's fine. We don't need to know who they are, but there is going to be plenty of, in different situations of of where they live and the families need to move. It's a it's a wild scenario. Like I'm living, I'm not in a lockdown post but I'm smack bang surrounded by about five of them. So there's a lot of yeah. people around me that I know and family that's involved in these lockdowns, and it's not a great it's not a great situation, but these teams need to get out of victoria as soon as possible and i'm pretty sure we're going to see that happen next week with you yeah, probably well there's already two teams going to western australia probably another four or so going over there and heading to different areas and it's going to have to happen pretty soon because you know look it might not last maybe it's a month or so that we have these issues and maybe they can get the outbreak back under control in Victoria where we're getting a 60 to 70 cases a day at the moment maybe that takes 3 or 4 weeks to get back under control and then things by the time we get into August that things can go relatively back to normal but at this point the things just need to teams just need to move out of Victoria because again we are relocating players with a days notice just we need to make that decision it needs to be made now so that it can be planned for next week
1: yeah my brother's in uh one of the lockdown areas and he's due to be getting married in October. And he uh, yesterday said, well, shit, we better, we better try on the suits. We better get this organized today because this is the the last day I'll be able to go and do that for a month. So no doubt uh, people all around Melbourne in those suburbs in such a strange situation. I know he's one of the people that if he walked down the street about six houses, then he wouldn't be in the lo- lockdown area. So the whole postcode thing, I mean, I don't know what's the wa- right way to do it or what well, is it. It's a difficult situation for many as as you as you well know, that's the I thing, Kane.
0: Kane, how do you like just to talk about those lockdowns? I was talking about this yesterday. Like, people can have that, and there's going to be so many stories. I look across the road, and they're locked down. and I'm not. But like, where do you draw the line? Because there's always going to be a line. Now, whether it's this main road, and go, well, that's ridiculous. If they're on this side of the street, they're not locked down. But then, what do you do? You move it two blocks across, and then that same problem happens on the next street. If you're going to have your areas that have to be uh, locked down because of this issue. It's it's going to happen everywhere. And there always has to be a barrier unless you lock down the entirety of Melbourne, which who knows, maybe by the time we're back tomorrow, that would have happened. But uh, at this point, there's always going to be that issue. And unfortunately, some people are going to be just caught on the edge there and it's going to seem ludicrous. But when you really think about it, what else can you do?
1: Well, I'm pretty skeptical about the whole thing that they're going to be able to do much, but with these lockdowns, mostly just because uh, I think the horses already bolted. People are all over the state, school holidays. People are, are getting all over the place. Yeah. So I, I think it's unfortunate timing. It was always going to be the case. Like Once you start opening things up, if you have one slip-up, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And Victoria is definitely going through this. From a footy perspective, uh, you're right, though. Monday is going to be the day. I mean, they, they've got to get out of there. They can't wait another week. No, They're no. not going to be able to wait another week because then you're going to run into problems where other states are just not going to let teams in, particularly if things continue to worsen down here. So uh, that's why incidents like the side bottom one are unfortunate for the league. It doesn't paint a good picture for Victoria, even though I've been saying the whole time that if you think that all these guys are following the rules, you are absolutely kidding yourself, which is why I said originally, don't go off on Ollie Wines and all these other players because uh, you've got to be careful because there's going to be more of this. Maybe this one is the one that makes people realize, oh boy, we we better be careful here because this is a pretty embarrassing situation for him, which it totally is. The other thing, as I said yesterday, move to the hubs, players aren't going to be able to do stuff like this. They're going to be together. It's not going to happen.
0: Let's talk about tonight's game. Game because it is one of those games that has been moved around due to the fixture change. It was supposed to be West Coast Richmond, and you have lamented the the fact that we're not seeing that this week. But it is Carlton-St. Kilda tonight. Carlton winning two straight. Uh, St. Kilda with a big win over Richmond last week. What are you looking for in this game that's going to help you, you know, just get, a, get a handle on what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, well, to be totally fair, I was really looking forward to that West Coast Richmond one because of the implications for the loser. But we've got a pretty damn good replacement game tonight. I'm not sure what to expect from the Blues. St. Kilda have been highly entertaining. uh, Win or lose, really. Even against that Collingwood game where they got beaten up pretty badly. Uh, They were trying to play attacking footy, and that's what I like about them right now. There's not too many teams that are prepared to do that. But I'm looking at Carlton. I'm looking at the midfield. I'm looking at their play around the stoppages because last week, the thing that stood out to me when I was watching this game, I was like, well, gee, Patty Cripps actually isn't having the influence around the stoppages that we're used to. Despite that fact... The Blues were able to have 37 clearances. Uh, They were plus uh, more than 10. I I don't have the number in front of me, which is poor hosting on my behalf. I think they were plus 12. I think Essendon had 25 clearances to Carlton, 37. But Paddy Cripps only had two. Now, if you compare that to the three other games this season, Cripps had 10 clearances out of 32 against Richmond, six out of 29 against Melbourne, and 12 out of 27 against the Cats. So he was running at having 31.8% of Carlton's total clearances this season which is an absolute absurd number on Saturday only two from 37 and the thing that stood out when I looked through the stat sheet they did it by committee Pitt and Ed, who by the way I used to call Pitt and a but I heard Jason Dunstall calling Pitt and Ed on Fox footy and uh, I can only trust that he knows one of the former uh, Hawthorne guys I, I don't know so I'm gonna I'm gonna run with that Pitt and Ed, he had eight clearances the big fella he's had a fantastic start to the season but other than that, they did it by committee. Setterfield had six. The young guy, he's only 21. That's a real positive. Mark Murphy, three. Tom Williamson, three. Patrick Cripps, obviously, as mentioned, two. Cunningham, Curnow, Doherty, Gibbons, Petrevsky, Seton, and Walsh all had two as well. So, my question for the Blues is how do they win the footy around the stoppages? and get those clearances if it's not going to be Paddy Cripps. And this is a, a question that's going to be ongoing through the season because I do think they need to find someone else. And it can't always be Mark Murphy or Ed Curnow. They're both on the, on the wrong side of 30 now. So I'm wondering who's going to be the next guy to come in. Sam Walsh is the obvious answer. He's still a teenager, though, and he doesn't spend all that time all that much time in the midfield. He's in and out. He's not a permanent midfielder at this point. So my question for Carlton when I'm looking at them I want to see which one of the younger guys is going to step up and be that guy to help out Cripps around the clearances. Because I dare say in times gone by, if, if Patrick Cripps only had two clearances, uh, the Blues are in a little bit of trouble. So that's something I'm looking for because it translated onto the stat sheet last week. Plus 65 in disposals, plus 15 in inside 50s, and plus 31 in marks. They dominated the footy. Cedarfield had three
0: centre clearances as well. Cripps didn't have a single yeah. centre clearance out of the nine that they had. So that's that's a key thing. So maybe it's maybe it's him. Maybe it's Cedarfield that's going to get in there and do that uh, do that work along with uh, Pitnett, who I did call Pitney as well. And I heard someone say Pitnett. I thought I'm not sure about that. But if Dunstall's saying it again, having that affiliation at Hawthorne, then maybe it is Pitnett, yeah. Doesn't 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 roll off the tongue all that well for me. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll go with it. The one thing I want to look at tonight, and maybe it's a little bit Carlton heavy here. But we'll talk about St Kilda and you know, see how our know, Dan Butler. Uh, is is going to back up his big performance last week in his fiftieth game, and of course, Jaron Geary is back for for the Saints. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Harry Mackay coming back for Carlton. Le- Levi Casbolt. Now, the report on him has always been, man, like he he takes the big grab, he doesn't drop them, but he can't kick for shit. But he has not missed a single shot for goal inside fifty meters this season. He's seven of seven. He's missed all of his shots outside fifty, but. Again, according to stats insiders expected scores, he's at a, a plus six in score differential in terms of you know, where he's actually kicking the shots from and their expected difficulty. That's a seventeen percent increase of, of where you know what he's expected scoring is from there, and that's not just including you know, Levi Casbolt's history as a goal kicker. But even last season, I think we 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 forget he he actually kicked him all right. Fifty two percent conversion last season for uh, for Casbolt, and so maybe that that idea that he is this horrible shot for goal is something that we need to consider retiring because you know going at 52% which uh, sorry last season he didn't go 52 uh, let me get my numbers through to this season he's at 55% 52 last year but that was um that was a fourth on the team in terms of shot for goals and one, and one of the top guys there was Mitch McGovern Kerno uh, Cripson, and Casbolt like so that's for a guy that is continually pilloried for being a poor kick I don't think that's that, that's, a, that's a big improvement from where he's been in the past.
1: It is. I, I must admit, I'm still caught in the past a little bit. Every time I see him shooting for goal, I expect that he's going to spray it. But so far this year, he's been dead on. And also, uh, even that beautiful snap from the boundary last week against Essendon. So his confidence is up. As far as marking the footy goes, I mean, you just feel like, uh, I, mean, I think I mentioned it earlier in the week, but he, he's right alongside Charlie Dixon in, in terms of confidence you have with a guy taking a pack mark. No one else in the league is doing it. Uh, And those two are. And he's been – tell you what he has been. He's been a huge addition to this team in the last couple of weeks without Harry McKay because uh, you think about what he brings to the team. And and he was quiet against the Cats while Casbolt went absolutely nuts. Last week they didn't have Harry McKay. uh, Now they bring back Levi Casbolt, And, again, he stood up. So I'm looking forward to them integrating uh, Harry back in there. As far as the Saints go, huge out. Zach Jones. Yeah, it's massive. They get Jaron Geary back and and he'll play – uh, that sort of halfback role again, but Zach Jones has been rolling through the middle of, a little bit. And you talk about the attacking footy that they play. Uh, there's a reason that they've been able to do that because Zach Jones has always been a player that when he gets the footy, he's not messing around with it. He's putting the head down and he runs hard. So he presents options down the field for, for the second or third possession in the string. So they're really going to uh, miss him. I don't think Jaron Geary at this point brings that type of explosiveness. But nonetheless, anytime you get your captain back, you're going to be feeling pretty good. We pumped up Dan Butler Earlier this week, big time. He's playing game number fifty as well. Kind of hard to believe he's only played fifty. It That's is how hard weird. it was for him to get a game with the Tigers.
0: What do you think of the the ruck battle? Uh, we talked about Pittnet already, but Roland Marshall. Um, yeah, these are guys that are you know, both twenty four years of age. They haven't had you know, huge amounts of experience. You know, Thirty seven games for Marshall, just the ten games for Pittnet, and both guys have uh, really stepped up this season. And uh, Marshall, you're know, taking on that number one ruck ruck role at St Kilda. Now, um, yeah, has anyone got the edge there?
1: Uh, well, I love Roman Marshall. I thought it was a good move last week uh, with Paddy Ryder out of the side. I just was double-checking that he was there. Yeah, I, I think playing Roman Marshall is that Sol Ruckman is really good for the Saints. Uh, last night, actually, I-, I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But... Uh, I do have Roel Marshall on my supercoach side, and I, I did have a dream that Roel Marshall kicked the goal from about 50 metres out directly in front to to clinch the game over the Blues. And uh, for those to play supercoach, you get those clutch goals, you get some pretty handy points there. So I'm looking forward to that being replicated tonight. But Marshall, I said this before, but as a guy that plays in the ruck, effective in there, gets around the ground, can take marks, beautiful skills as well, really beautiful skills. But Pitnett, that, he's had a good start. This is too young. Good, Rachman in form.
0: You talked about having a dream last night. I had an AFL-related dream last night as well, completely unrelated. But it's we're I, talking I, too much footy. It's this. I, you're, you're gonna you're gonna probably want to hang up after hearing this one. I, I woke up and I had a. I thought, "Oh, yeah, that, that's weird. And then I remembered that my dream was that that Matty Robbins who used to play for the Bulldogs in Geelong before that. He was hosting an Instagram live, and he was holding up a sheet of paper from a dermatologist explaining why he now had adult acne. So. That's the level of uh, dreams that I'm currently undergoing during this uh, this time. Maddie uh face full of acne, holding up a letter from a dermatologist on Instagram Live. None of which obviously happened, but that's uh, that's where we are in the in the world of uh, quarantine, Corona. What the hell am I doing with my life?
1: I'm going to move on to Esme Collingwood <laughs> because that um, <laughs> that's pretty damn strange. I got to tell you, look, like, uh, I I don't even really know what to say. You've thrown me off, but Esme Collingwood on Friday night. We've already spoke about Jeremy Howe being out, still Sidebottom being out. This is a big challenge for the Pies. I know you're interested in looking at who can replace the production from Sidebottom because, as I said, I think most people would have Howe as the most important magpie early early on this season, but Sidebottom's right up there with him as potentially uh, the one and two rated players this season. He's been phenomenal.
0: Well, we talked about how a little bit already is Darcy Moore perhaps stepping into that role beside bottom. He wasn't quite as good against GWS, but he's been really strong in some of the other uh, other Collingwood performances, you know, equally adept on either side of his body, and now it's a four-week absence. The, the I guess the positive thing for Collingwood is it does look like Adam Trelaw could be available for selection. He's been dealing with injuries so far, so you would imagine that he could step in and take some of that role. But if it's not him, then it, it gets a little bit hairier as to what they're going to do. Scott Pendleby stepped up last week, had a really big game. And of course, we know how good he is. But who are they are going to throw in there? Is it going to be Callum Brown that plays a little bit more on the wing in the midfield? Uh, Hoskin Elliott's going to push up a little bit. Like who's going to take that side bottom role of being that adept ball user who just knows how to get on the end of it, gets those uncontested possessions, kicks goals. Yeah, who's who's that likely player to do it? I think yeah, Treloar is the answer if he's ready to go. But outside of him, it does, it does put a real dent in what they do in the midfield.
1: Well, the Pies have had their success through their pressure right across the, the field. They're the best in the game at it right now. But the good thing that Sidebottom is able to do, and they've been able to keep him up forward pretty regularly as well. His work rate is, is probably unmatched at Collingwood and his ability to get up and down the field and, and create space uh, from his opponent and be that link-up player has been... Uh, unbelievable. So that that's where the problem's going to be for mine. I think that and, and I'm really curious to see. We know bottom has been spending a bit of time out on the wing. Do the Pies pull the trigger with someone like Jordan Degoei and unleash him in the yeah. midfield a little bit more than they have. Degowie's been getting up the ground a little bit, thirteen inside fifties already this season, has him uh ranked fourth at the team. So maybe Degoey's the guy that they throw in there. I mean he hasn't had a great start to the season. He's had moments but he hasn't had that one game yet where you've seen him tear it apart, which going back a year ago, two years ago, it was regularity with him. And people suspected that maybe he was going to be a Dustin Martin type player moving forward. He hasn't done that. So he potentially is a guy for me that I'm looking at to really step up and, and impact games for longer.
0: They need someone to get on the end of the contested work that's done by guys like Taylor Adams. Sidebottom's third in the, in the league in uncontested possessions. So that is yeah. a guy that yeah, obviously he's his footy brain and knowing where to go and then executing it is a huge part of what he does, getting into those right positions. So it is finding that guy now, to, to go, he's probably more of a in and under, get the get the ball type of guy, break a few tackles, than side ball. but. I'm pretty sure they are going to throw him into that role a little bit, and they'll mix it up with guys like Hoskin Elliott and with Brown to play through that area. But they just need maybe they put Dacos up there for a little bit. Yeah, he's a he's a smart ball user as well, and just to play that yeah link man that get on the end, get on get the uncontested ball on the outside, and and work a bit of um. Yeah, offensive uh, action in terms of yeah, being able to spot guys up because he's pretty smart when he gets the ball and yeah, he's his disposal either side of the body and his decision-making is pretty good. So he's another name that I think that they could at least give an opportunity to, but it's not going to be filled by just one player unless that one player
1: is a, a fit and firing Adam Trelaw So I want to look at Essendon a little bit. And we spoke earlier in the week about Zach Merritt being out for that one-game suspension that I thought was pretty unlucky. And rumors actually suggest, reports suggest, that Jack Silvanian perhaps would have played if this game was in its original time slot on Saturday or on the weekend anyway. So the Bombers are going to be without Merritt. He's number one for inside 50s for Essendon with 10. He's number two for center clearances. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Merritt only has five center clearances for the entire season. He's ranked second uh, on at Essendon. Number one, Dylan Scheel with 16. So Scheel is carrying the load inside uh, at the center square for the Bombers. He's getting those center clearances. The guy that I want to see in there is Darcy Parrish, and I I don't know why we haven't seen a lot more from him in there last week, just 10 disposals. He did kick two goals, but 10 touches is not enough for someone with his talent, with his class. So 10 disposals against Carlton, and then they obviously had the week off, but if you go back to that game against Sydney when the season resumed, four disposals from quarters one to three. So that means that in uh, seven quarters of footy, Since the return, he's only had 14 touches of the footy. That's not enough for a guy of this caliber. Of course, in the fourth quarter, when they threw him in the middle, he had uh, 13 disposals and kicked the game winner against Sydney in quarter four. So Parrish is a good player around the stoppages. They need to get him in the middle. I don't know why they haven't been doing it anyway, given their struggles in the center outside of Dylan Shield. They need to give him a chop out. They need to get Parrish in the middle. It's it's beyond time for them to do that. If you look at stoppage clearances for Essendon, uh, so outside of the center square, uh, he actually ranks second in the team with five. So this guy's a ball winner. He's a guy that will win the ball around the stoppages and give you a chance to win the footy. I already spoke about uh, the stats that show that they were dominated by the Blues. Dominated. like They were lucky to be within one point last week. I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass because of the fact uh, they had the week off, uh, unexpected week off, and such, such a time away from the club in, in weird circumstances with the coronavirus uh, testing for Conor McKenna. But... Uh, For mine, uh, Essendon, this is the time you've had your one week, you've had your past, now you need to get back into it. You've got a vulnerable Collingwood team. Get Parrish in the middle, win the footy, and give yourself a chance.
0: Well, their most used uh, combination, or in terms of center bounce attendances, Merritt didn't play in the center that much. It was uh, Sheila McGrath along with Bell Chambers and Jake Stringer actually had 10 center bounce attendances out of the 18 center bounces that they that they had. Merritt had six, Devin Smith had six. So maybe we see you know, Stringer push up a couple extra there. Smith gets in there. Um, didn't get one from uh, Darcy Parrish. So that's that's interesting. They had Langford, McKernan, McDonald, Tiffin, Woody, the other guys who got some uh, got some chances there in the middle. So. Maybe it is Devon Smith that spends a little bit time, a little bit more time there in the middle, um, as well as Parrish. But Parrish didn't didn't get into the center at all, and uh, Merritt just Boy, had six. Does that make sense?
1: Does no, that make sense to you? I
0: oh, know. Look, with we talked we talked about how good he was in that Sydney game and just how damaging he was every time he got the ball through the middle of the ground. Uh, it should have been inducing panic in any Swans player, coach, or supporter. Um, I think they're gonna have to throw him in there this week. I'd rather see him in there than than um, yeah more Devon Smith.
1: Yeah, me too. And and the point you made is even amplifies this even more. If Zach Merritt is second at the team for center clearances this year, and there's and he's minus eleven of Dylan Shearer in the middle, then maybe they're just putting the wrong guys in. Like I'm I'm sure they're looking at these numbers and there's reasons for why they do this, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you look at uh, how badly they were beaten at the source last week it's really difficult i, I know center clearances and inside 50s these days and some stats are a little bit misleading but if you're getting beaten that badly and you just can't get your hands on the footy you don't give yourself a chance to win and it seems to me that their best uh, clearance players aren't being put in the situation where they can win the footy for you because you're right i mean that sydney game uh, the fourth quarter i remember it clearly i mean there's no chance absolutely no chance it wins that game without darcy parish
0: yeah, so that is that's obviously a big big hole to fill there, um, and how it how it gets filled. Both both teams have got big midfield holes. So does do you think the the absences of side bottom and uh, merit you know, even out? Uh,
1: no, no, I, I do think side bottom. At this point, I probably rate him a little bit higher because, as you said, I think he brings more to the table. You can put him forward. We know how valuable he is up forward as a goal kicker. You can put him in the middle. You can put him out in the wing. You can get him at half back. I think Sidebottom just brings—he's uh, a more versatile player, I believe. I believe that's the way I see it. So I think Sidebottom's a bigger loss for Collingwood than Merritt is for Essendon, uh, as in individual. But for team-based, I'm not sure which one throws off the balance more because I would generally suggest that Collingwood are a deeper team. They have a deeper a wealth of talent across the entire list. Yeah, that's that's probably
0: true. Uh, in terms of just overall, you know, percentage impact of uh, of how that's going to impact the team. Um, so uh, Collingwood's probably going to be able to cover that. It's, again, especially if they get a, a guy like Trelaw back to to cover that uh, cover that absence. That will be. Uh, it won't be quite evening it out because they're, they're different types of players. But you know, getting a high level guy back in who's a, a first picked midfielder type guy most weeks, then uh, I don't think there's going to be. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be a too much of a drop off
1: there for Collingwood. No, I wouldn't think so, although I'm not willing to make a prediction because I have no damn idea what the hell is going to happen (laughs) this year. And uh, Essendon second week back, much like Melbourne, who who were clearly pretty rusty last week against Geelong as well. So I'm looking at both of those teams to see how they respond after having a full week on the track, knowing who they're going to be playing and understanding that now it's second week back because they never got the opportunity to have the second up performance where we saw a lot of sides... Uh, bounce back from not playing so well so i'm curious Uh, unfortunately for both of those teams they're going to be disrupted again pretty early next week when they are packing their bags to go into state it's it's crazy it's a crazy season right now but i i'm enjoying it i'm not i've said this before i'm looking for this thing to keep rolling do whatever you have to do to keep this thing going we um, also probably just one last thing on this game.
0: There's a chance that Connor McKenna does uh, does return as well, so that'll be great for him to, to be back in. But we'll uh, we'll confirm that tomorrow when we uh, when we look at the teams and, and the news around selection. Kane, thank you for coming on with me. And unlike uh, Malcolm Blight and Matthew Lloyd, you are not calling for backwards kicks to not be counted as marks. So that's uh, you can keep your position on the podcast. Thank you for coming on with me
1: again and talking. I'll see you tomorrow. Blues and the Saints. Uh, I'm I'm really curious to see if Carlton can back up this back up this performance. I don't know when was the last time they won three games in a row, but off the top of my head. I feel like it was a long while ago. It feels like a long time ago, and uh, hopefully
0: we get a, a good game tonight. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch these two teams who have been uh, surprises of the season. And if you want to surprise us, why don't you go leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts? You can also subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And today I'm going to leave you with a shout out to Essendon legend David Calthorpe.